What is going on, everyone? Welcome to the Home Roasting Pro podcast, Roast Coffee Like a Pro in Your Home. My name is Jonathan Gladys, and I'm your host, and I'm super, super excited about today's episode, and let's get right into it. So today we have an interview that I'm going to share with you, and it was uh, just an awesome time sitting down with a friend of mine. His name's Sam Bonasso, and he roasts coffee in Morgantown, West Virginia. His company is Quantum Bean Coffee, and he's got a cafe and a, and a roastery up there and just is doing an awesome job. And uh, just, just really cool to sit down with him and kind of talk to him because his story is he got started as a home roaster and is now... Uh, making a living out of it. And so we just talk about what things kind of cross the lines between being a home roaster and being a commercial roaster. And we also talk about the different phases in coffee roasting, the drying phase, the malliard phase, and the development phase. And uh, just be really useful information. Um, so make sure you stick around and just uh, catch this interview. So um, one thing I must say before I get into it, though, is I do apologize for the audio quality. Um, I ended up having to use my iPhone, which stinks. The audio quality is subpar at best. Um, I brought all my recording equipment and stuff, and my computer just was not having it, and it uh, was crashing on me. So I apologize for the audio. It is not very good, but you can still hear what we're saying, <laughs> which is all that matters. So, um, But uh, yeah, we'll get into it, and uh, I really hope you enjoy it. So, Sam, uh, introduce yourself to um, the viewers. Uh, Samuel Bonasso. I uh, started a coffee roasting company five years ago called Quantum Bean Coffee. And uh, about six months ago, we opened our first coffee bar. And uh, I've known, known Jonathan for a good portion of the time I've been, uh, had the business running. So... And I was a hobbyist home roaster for a few years before that, so I, uh, you know, I'm gonna enjoy having some conversation here about where it all started and my views on home roasting, especially. So, how'd you like? What got you into roasting? What was like, yo? Yeah, like, I, well, I came from um, Southern California. Specialty coffee was really uh, a big thing out there. It was ex kind of exploding as it has been on the West Coast. And when I came back here, I had a real hard time finding the flavors I was seeing in California. Exactly. So I uh, started when I moved back just doing subscriptions, Blue Bottle, Intelligentsia, different um, different specialty roasters. Clatch was a big one out in Southern Cal. And it was expensive. Um, it just is. Right. Specialty coffee is expensive for, for most families. Um, plus shipping because there's nothing local. Plus shipping. So. <laughs> and you're getting it every two weeks because, as you know, we all want fresh coffee. Yeah. Um, so I found Sweet Maria's. I can't remember how I stumbled upon it, and I found a book by James Freeman, the owner of Blue Bottle. Okay. Read that and immediately bought a perforated baking sheet and some green coffee from Sweet Maria's, and I did my first few batches in the oven, just baking them. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And, I mean, within a month, I had a... Within a month, I had the Beemore uh, from Sweet Maria's, and um, that started the progression of uh, equipment upgrades. And the next summer, we submitted our plan to the Bridgeport Farmers Market. 
that was a huge break for the business. They have a great community there, the one that um, enjoys the presence of specialty coffee. And I, I guess the rest is history from there because it, the business slowly grew year by year. Uh, we went from a Dietrich IR1, we're on a Dietrich 2.5 now and we're struggling just to keep up with that. So we're already looking at, uh, we, we haven't even paid this machine off yet and I'm already looking at a five and a 12. So um, it's exciting and uh, it's, it's nice to see Appalachia, uh, the growing uh, desire for specialty coffee. So you have, you're now in the, the commercial coffee scene, you started in your oven. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so a lot of people listening are using, you know, even like myself, just you know, little fresh roast roasters or beamers, sure. stuff like that. So you know, you've, you've kind of experienced it all and you've done it at mm-hmm. all levels. What, what would be some things that you would say, uh, no matter what you're using, like they're consistent across the board yeah. like when it comes to just kind of bare bones kind of guidelines to roasting yeah. tips, uh, stuff like that. I think the first thing is keep a stopwatch no matter what you're doing, timed your roast. A lot of them are going to be timed. They have stopwatches on them. The B-more is a timed roast. Yeah. Um, I think that's the biggest thing and pay attention to your development times. And um, So th- maybe describe development time for those. Development time is basically the time from when you hear first crack. I usually pick a roll in first crack, so not the first crack you hear, but maybe 10 seconds in you'll start hearing it like popcorn popping. That's the start of first crack till you drop the beans uh, is your development time. And I think it's important to always go back once your roast is complete and do a little calculation to see what your percentage is of your whole time. So you wanna separate your your development time from your full roast and get that down to a percentage. And as you do that, you'll start to notice how that translates from percentage to flavor. there's a lot of rules on that from Scott Rowe to um, even Rob Hoos that, that we want to, um, we all kind of desire a certain development time and you'll learn that um, you'll be able to control your flavor by that development time. So if you're doing a natural Ethiopia, you might want to pull it early yeah. based on that development time. And if you're doing a washed central, you're gonna let it go because it's it's a little more forgiving as far as this that caramelizing process. Um, I, I think that's the first and biggest rule is time your roast and always look back and see how the flavors are translating to those those times and the, yeah. and percentages. Yeah, that's one thing. I mean, just taking notes. You got to take notes on notes. Yeah, because if you if you don't, you could kill it and have a great roast and not know how you you never did it. <laughs> never be able to repeat it, and, yeah. that, and there's no worse feeling. Yeah. How did I get here? Can I do it again? Yeah. What What else would you say? You know, maybe what's across um, the lines? You know, is, is you know, well, like for me in a B more, um, the B more has a process specifically where it cools in the roaster. Mm-hmm. I'm big on modulating that to the point where you can get those beans out quickly. Out yeah. yeah, because you're losing control, right? You've you've done all this work. You've timed it. You've tried to match what you did before and now it's going to slowly cool in there and as you know when it starts cooling it's still 400 some degrees so that's technically still roasting yeah um so like with a b-more i i put big leather mitts on and when i hit cooling i let it go for about a minute and then i'm yanking those beans out and shaking them in the in the screen that comes with it Uh, a little easier in the oven because you can just pull them out and they're going to be cooling uh, but but don't let that 
cooling continue your roast because it's going to yeah. be so hard to have data that you can work from right from you know moving forward I, yeah i've heard kind of i don't know where i heard this but you want your beans to be cool like from the time you you know end the roast mm -hmm. and um until it's like cool to the touch should be like under four minutes yeah is, yeah i think that's uh i've actually yeah, i probably have heard that and i think that's a good rule of thumb to be yeah. honest that's about we roast back to back here and it's about three and a half minutes when i'll change our cooling from through the uh through the drum to um or through the cooling bin to the drum and that's always about three minutes and 30 seconds to four minutes so that sounds yeah. right on our recipe yeah even with my little fresh roast because it does the same thing it you know it's it's the kind of fluid bed yeah so it's blowing hot air and right. it, it switches to a cool I'll, I'll leave it in there mm -hmm. for like a minute just right. to blow any smoke out right. but then I'll yank it put it in a colander and put a fan on it yeah and I get in that gets a cool real fast it's those types of things that you do right the yeah. fans the things that just expedite the process so that you have more control yeah yeah cool um, so let's just take a few moments and talk about for those that don't know there's kind of uh, three phases so mm -hmm. to speak in, in coffee roasting there's I'll, I'll let you tell everyone. Okay. Uh, yeah, three phases from, especially from your profiling uh, school of thought, is your drying phase, your maillard phase, if I'm saying that right, right and your uh, development uh, phase, which is, or your, you know, post first crack to the end of your roast. I, um, I mean, to elaborate on them, they get it more exciting as they go. The drying phase is somewhat boring right. you just have a couple uh rules that you need to follow mail art is getting a lot of attention in our present time in specialty coffee a lot of people are trying to play with things there and i'm one of them um and then development time is it's obviously the most exciting you're seeing coffee go from a, a bright tan yellow to a the roasted color that you love and you can yeah. just in a commercial roaster you can just watch it go from a probably untasty light rose to where you're getting into those fruity flavors. I mean, you're seeing the caramelization of the coffee, and it's it's um, it's just exciting to watch that happen, especially if you're unfamiliar with it. Um, and you can do a lot. You can really obviously change a lot of the flavor and the aromas and the development time because it's it's what separates a light rose from a dark roast or uh, anything in between. So, so I've heard that really in the drying phase nothing's good nothing good is happening you're just trying to prevent bad things from happening yeah so what would those bad things be? uh i think big thing is your turning point that's a phase uh that's a term we used at what the like you have a thermocouple reading a temperature when you drop the beans in it's going to start going down and it's basically um those beans aren't that temperature they weren't 400 to start it's an evening out of your thermocouple with the air in the roaster and the beans that went in so you want that turning point to not be too low or your roast is going to be um, too long and you're going to get a baked flavor in my opinion and you don't want it to be too fast or too high because you're going to likely burn your coffee especially if it's a natural or it's um, something that's that's just more likely to burn so you have to find your sweet spot um, you know I think anything um, under 200 is is savable and i think anything uh so under 200 above 170 i think you, you you're can, talking a turning point or something yeah turning point oh, okay. temperature so that's something that a lot of people won't talk about that but that's such a big window 
Yeah. Um, I have. That's no. something that's imp- the thing though is that that's impossible to track unless you are a commercial run. Yeah. You know, sure. You got a Good point. Yeah. From something. a home roaster, that's that's uh, kind of you're not, not going to have that data coming to yeah. you, but um, it's nonetheless important. Uh, so just something to keep in mind. But yeah, the drying phase is so off the record. Removing moisture basically is what we're doing. The green okay. coffee has a certain moisture content in it that you want to maintain for the life of the green coffee. And that first phase is basically getting rid of that internal moisture. Okay. Oh, getting rid of the bulk of it. I yeah. mean, even first crack is a removal of moisture. Gotcha. Um, and then I remember in that book, um, he talks about like, you're, you know, he says like in green, during the drying phase, nothing really good's happening. You just want to make sure you're not like, they call it tipping. Yeah. Yeah. Tipping. Um, what isn't there another bad thing? Tipping and uh, I forget what the other one is. Um, uh, scorching scorching or yeah like that. And, and you'll see that those are the easiest things to identify because you can look at the bean you don't need a commercial roaster hold it in your hand and you'll see it yeah and um yeah that's part of that turning point not being too high so i mean even if you don't have a thermocouple you'll be able to tell if you're if you're tipping or scorching right. uh, you'll see it on most of the time i see it on the edges right they say it kind of escapes from like each yeah or you'll get little brown spots on the edge that are definitely a different color than the rest of your coffee yeah. and definitely going to taste just not the same as your yeah. overall what you were going for yeah so in the drying phase you just you don't want to go too fast you want to go too slow right it's just that sweet spot and like it's like you said uh, nothing exciting is happening you can definitely ruin your coffee but you can't really do much to make the coffee better except stay you're setting yourself up for a good roast exactly yeah, yeah. and so so that's the, the drying phase you're removing moisture mm-hmm you're avoiding bad things, but you're just setting yourself up for the rest of your roast. Right. So what about the the word no one knows how to pronounce, the malliard, yes. millard phase? Yes, okay. What's going so, on there? Uh, it, tons of, of science and chemical. It's a, it's a lot of chemistry that I'm not even going to attempt to explain, but what I'll say is it's easy to identify for a um, home roaster. It's a massive color change from the pale green... Uh, you know what's the almost like a whitish green color of green coffee that you see in any green coffee to where it starts almost getting like a darker but also brighter fluorescent tan yeah it's just it's almost like a bright off yellow brown so you're when your bean goes from a green to a tan you're now in that and you definitely know when you see it i'm sure you know from seeing it it just there's just a definite difference a color change that happens and i I would say it's always around 260 degrees to 300 you're going to see that guaranteed somewhere in there different roasters are going to read different things because thermocouples are different but that's your start of your uh maillard phase and that's very important for you to you need to be paying attention to your roast at this point you can't just stay within windows you're going to start messing with your airflow and your gas uh in in a commercial roaster but even in a home roaster you're just going to be eyes on the roast at this point on Um, and it's probably a good thing to to jot down like what time did i enter that tanning sure yeah my temperature your time and your temperature because you can always go back and put it on a graph and retrospectively profile your coffee we do it it's it's real time and that's important but it's still important for a home roaster to go back and look because if you saw something when you plot that chart that looks a certain way you might try to achieve that every time so even some commercial roasters don't uh profile but they will go back and do like 
profiles looking back at the roast they did. So it's important, no matter how you do it, to just use that data to your advantage. Yeah. I think something you could do to just kind of experiment, if you're looking to experiment, is you know, try adjusting that time you're in that that phase. Yeah. You know? Maybe yeah. try three minutes, five minutes, right. kind of see what, what tastes better. That's right. Know? Yep. And uh, I think a lot of attention is is uh, put on that right now. The Rob Who's school of thought is like we we've talked about to stretch that Maillard phase. Don't rush from the color change to first crack because it's we call the first crack to the end of the roast development time, but a lot of development is happening in the Maillard yeah. phase, so it's important to give it its time to develop. Isn't it in the Coffee Roasters Companion? He says the entire roast is development in his yeah. opinion. Yeah, and yeah. he's right. He's yeah. right. Because like we talked about, you're setting yourself up for a good roast. So if that's not development, right. then that is your foundation. Yeah. So we got the, the drying phase, which you're just removing moisture. It's the, the bean's still green. Yep. Um, and then you enter the Millard phase. Yep, Millard say. phase. No one knows how to say it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of when the, the bean starts to turn that tannish color. Yep. Some of those chemical reactions are taking place in yep. the caramelization. And then the last phase is what they call development phase. Yeah. So what would that be? Development phase is the phase as you get into specialty coffee. Most people are into roasting coffee, even home roasting. You know to pay attention to your development. I mean, you know a lot of people say, once you hear first crack, fill in the blank. I mean, there's yeah. tons of things you can pay sure. attention to. But um, it's exciting. The beans are cracking. Uh, you can even get in. I mean, we don't take any, any of our coffees to second crack, but it does exist. Yeah. Um, so there's the first crack. There's a second crack that's going to come way later on, maybe two minutes later. If you're if you take your coffees that dark, we don't. But it's important to maybe be familiar with what a second crack sounds like. It's almost like a sizzle versus the actual first crack, which yeah. is a pop. Um, but in my opinion, you can you can really do so much to to make your coffees different, make your coffee stand out. Are you going with brightness? Uh, like, is that what you want out of this coffee? Or you, do you want to maybe caramelize some things and get more into that medium roast where, almost like caramelizing an onion, you know, you can sure. really change the flavor, not for better or worse, but you're gonna change it to yeah. what you want it to be. Um, and I just think, I mean, it's, it's, it's the most uh, exciting phase and it's also, the time you're paying the most attention. You oh, really yeah. don't want to make mistakes there. You really don't want to have, as far as commercial roasting and profiling, you really don't want flicks and spikes in your curve. You want it to kind of f fall off at first crack and get down um, without major, you think of the S curve, if you're familiar with that, you want it to be like an S. You don't want big jumps. They're um, usually marks of a flavor that's gonna be off or not perfect. Not that anyone achieves, achieves perfection, yeah. but we're all trying. Yeah, so in development, I mean, I know like in specialty coffee, I mean, it's like down to the second, down, yeah, to, the, down to the, the second. degree, half right. degree. Yeah. People super picky on where sure. they drop their coffees. Right. Um, and then, you know, it's not, I guess it's not even technically a phase, but I almost feel like cooling is a phase. Cooling like, is a, it's a phase that um, if you're doing it right, it's not going to matter. But if you're doing it wrong, you're going to ruin your it. roast. Yeah. Because it is, it's, if you're doing it wrong, it's part of your roast. Yeah. And that's not what you want. You're not measuring that. Yeah. So even if you change, if you're listening to this and you change nothing else but how you roast, Pay attention to how you cool. How you cool, yeah. If you're using a fresh roast or a more, get those beans out of there. Yeah, get get invest in some <laughs> gloves. You're going to burn your hand a couple times. Everyone that roasts is going to have a burn at some point, you right. know. But, yeah, cool. 
cool those beans. You want to have repeatable experiences and you want to have control. Yeah. And if you don't have control of cooling, what's it matter what else you have control yeah. of, you know? No, and there's even, I've read articles and seen videos that there's, there's even like some science behind, yeah, your cooling can totally affect your flavor. So for sure, um, that would be something that maybe if you're not doing to really start to pay attention to and, um, try to cool, cool your beans to, to the touch or even room temperature within yeah. four minutes, I think this would be, yeah, I'll say this. I mean, there's a reason every major coffee roasted roaster manufacturer, uh, puts a lot of engineering and R and D in cooling because it's to them, it's just as important as roasting. That's why the cooling vent is part of the roaster. Hmm. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that interview with uh, Sam Benassa of Quantum Bean Coffee. Um, really, really awesome stuff. Hey, as we're wrapping up today, one thing you could do that would really, really help us uh, get the word out and get this podcast more more visibility is if you could leave a review or rate and or rate this uh, this podcast. It's super, super simple. It would take you 30 seconds. Um, you can literally just tap um, tap the five stars if you go to our podcast and you can tap, just tap five stars and um, there's a little, there's a little button to write a review and, and if you say, hey, you know, stuff that you, you learned, stuff that you, you enjoyed from the podcast, that would be awesome for us to help us um, get the word out. So if someone, uh, someone's searching, um, like, like I was, you know, even a couple months ago, you know, someone like me was searching on podcast app, trying to find uh, a podcast on home roasting that ours would pop up and it would be easy for them to find uh, so they can, they can learn and grow with us. So Make sure you do that, and then also uh, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. We will put out two episodes a month, and uh, if you subscribe, then uh, those episodes will automatically pop up in your podcasting app, and you won't miss one of those episodes. And also, you can follow us on Instagram at Home Roasting Pro. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been the Home Roasting Pro Podcast. I can't wait to see you next time. Thank you.